Ephesians 6.21. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending you him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Let me pray just before we look at this. Lord, this is your word. It is true. It is real. It was written into a specific situation by specific people. And yet it is your word to us today in our situation. We pray that whatever our personal circumstances and whatever our reason for being here, that you would speak to us through your word and that we'd be conscious of your presence. We ask forgiveness for our sin. We ask your renewing grace. We ask, O Lord, for your blessing upon every part of our worship of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I came in tonight, I felt a wee bit like a waiter because as I was standing there, it was like taking orders because people were coming in and saying, now, make it short tonight, David, and we're really tired, keep us awake, and various other things along those lines. So I've got a certain standard here, and that's Tom and Jan Courtney who've driven, what, 1,800 miles? Something like that, from Madrid. So they've driven all the way from Madrid this week to to be here, and it's going to be really strange for us having you here, because I'll think next week, oh, they're going away, they're going away, but you're not. This is them here for good, we hope, anyway. And uh, we, we welcome you, but basically, if they've driven 1,800 miles, you have to have a pretty good reason to be more tired than them. So if I see them nodding off, then um, I, I know that time has come. But uh, I hope, this is about encouragement, so I want to encourage you to remain awake. And uh, if the person beside you begins to nod off, encourage them with an elbow. It always helps. We're going to look at this. Um, next Sunday in the evening, we'll be having a, a communion. And if uh, you wish to become a member in the church, please do speak to me on the way out. And then after that, I'm going to start looking at a letter in the New Testament called Second Corinthians, which is a great deal about encouragement. And in the mornings, I hope we're going to be able to uh, start looking at the book of Job, which is a wonderful book uh, in the Old Testament and asks a lot of the big questions that we face, um, suffering, creation, the devil, music, poetry, everything else comes in there as well. But I want us to finish, we've been looking at, at Ephesians, and I want us to finish looking at, uh, at this um, because it is about encouragement. It's just a postscript here. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything. This man called Tychicus, I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing his name right, he was an encouragement, an encouragement to Paul, an encouragement to the church. Paul dictated this letter. It may be that Tychicus actually wrote it down. He was probably the scribe, but he was certainly the person who delivered it. He would take it, and probably read it out uh, the assembly of the church. He is given certain names by Paul. He's called a dear brother. He's called a faithful servant. We know from his, na his name that he was Asian. He was uh, from Ephesus as well. He was in Ephesus, and he was a scribe and, as I said, a 
postman. He's described as a faithful servant, not only here, but in Colossians 4, verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. It's great to have a ministry like that that encourages people's hearts. You're a bit discouraged, you're down, you're struggling with a whole load of circumstances in your life, and someone comes along who's God's servant and brings God's word to you, and instead of condemning you, it's something that encourages you, that stimulates you, that uh, provokes you. Acts 20 verse 4 We read about this man again. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy also, Antichicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. He is also described as a fellow worker. He worked together with Paul and he went with Paul when Paul was being persecuted. He was trusted the Second Timothy 4 verse 12, I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. That's describing when this letter was actually delivered. And in Titus 3 and verse 12, as soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter there. So this man, Tychicus, we don't know all that much about him, but we know that Paul relied on him a lot that he was an encourager, that he's someone who could be trusted, and he was uh, a fellow worker. And in the church, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people who encourage in a real way, not in 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 a false way, but in a real way. And I want us to think how we can be like Barnabas, whose name meant the son of encouragement. How can we genuinely encourage other people? How can we be like this man? So, I'm going to give you um, nine different things, and for those who are worried about length, it won't take that long to give you these nine things, and then just we'll look at what that encouragement brings and what the purpose of it is. Nine ways, then, that you and I can encourage one another, how we can be encouraging people not discouraging. <clears throat> you know what it's like when you get someone who's, who's just really discouraging, always putting you down, always finding a way to find something negative. <clears throat> we need to know what is negative, but even when we know that, we need to be um, stimulated and encouraged. So, first of all, in prayer to pray for one another. When you go through this letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1 and chapter 3, Paul speaks about him praying for them and they're praying for him. We saw this morning, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, in chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. We Praying for people is really encouraging. You really want to encourage people pray for them. It is, to me, an enormous source of encouragement to know that people are genuinely praying for you, uh, whatever circumstances you are in. 
It's great when we have the, the fellowship groups or the house groups on a Wednesday or Thursday night when people pray for one another. And you can really be an encourager to other people by praying for them. You may not know many people in the church here, but as you get to know people, write down their names. I showed the children my wee red book this morning. Um, it doesn't help me all that much because there's lots of people who come to the church now that I look at your face, and I do apologize for this, but there's no point in me keeping apologizing because it keeps happening. I, I keep forgetting who you are. I keep forgetting your name, and I am really, really, really sorry, and unless you do something spectacular, uh, I'm not going to remember, but I do find that what really helps is when I get your name is to write it down and to pray for you. I start thinking, well, wait a minute, who's this person? Who am I praying for? And then uh, it's, it's great. I think, oh, yeah, that was the blonde one, or that was the one who's studying psychology, or um, that was the one who didn't like the service, or whatever it was. I just, you know, I think, yeah, begin to connect it and pray. And it's just really, really important to pray for one another. Second thing here is correspondence. I say that from this text because uh, he was being sent, Tychicus was being sent with a letter. It was a letter from Paul, and it was a letter that would be really, really encouraging. Now, you can put in correspondence uh, email, text, um, Facebook. Uh, let me tell you this, though. A good old-fashioned written letter or card is fantastic. Texts are great. It's really nice getting a text every now and then. A Facebook message, email, and so on. But that someone's actually bothered to get a bit of paper and write on it and post it to you, that's, that sometimes can be really special. Um, reflecting on this time a year ago, we were l- looking through the hundreds of cards that I got when I was ill, and cards and letters, and they're still there. The emails, they're all gone. Um, and the phone message and so on, they're all gone. But the stuff that was written is still there. And I know people who, they don't think that they can do much, but what they do is this. Once a week, they write a card or a letter or a note to somebody, and it's not their birthday and they're not ill. They're just writing to encourage them. They're corresponding with them. It's uh, when, you're, when you're in a, a distance as well, Getting a, a, a long letter from somebody, it really is a tremendous thing. So maybe some of you here, you've got a ministry of encouragement, and it can just simply be to sit down and to write and to correspond with people. But I, I, I think that can be in lots and lots of different ways. We often find it very difficult to meet up. Meeting up once or twice on a Sunday is not enough. And I think it's a really good thing. You've got there are actually more mobile phones now in the world than there are people. So, I mean, people text all the time. I mean, I, how sad is it? I've got my mobile phone up here, so you can text me during the sermon and say, what do you mean by that? Don't. <laughs> Don't. It, <laughs> it, ha- it has been known to happen. But um, isn't it nice? I, I, I have to tell you this. I think it was not last Sunday, two Sundays ago, I got home. I was feeling a wee bit flat. We'd had a really good day. But I was feeling a wee bit flat, a wee bit exhausted, and a couple of you just sent me a text saying, really enjoyed today, really benefited from it. And it was just really nice, really encouraged. What, took 20 seconds to do that? But it's great. It's really good just to be able to contact someone, to correspond to someone, to say, 
you know, we, we know you're there. Is there anything that I can pray for you? It's, again, hugely, hugely important. So think about that. Think about how you can encourage someone by connecting with them, contacting them, having some kind of correspondence. The third thing is visits. Because Paul says, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose. It's not enough that you're going to get a letter from me. He's saying, I want you to meet this man. Now, Paul often in his letters sends a letter and he sends someone. He sends Epaphras. He sends Timothy. He sends someone with them because although you can write to people, although you can Facebook people and text people, though you can phone people, there's nothing so encouraging as seeing someone face to face, just to go and visit somebody, just to, to share with somebody. We've been talking quite a lot about pastoral visitation and so on. And do you know this? There's a, there's a sense in which when you do it as a kind of scheme, it does seem a wee bit artificial. And what I mean by that is we say, right, we're going to visit this, 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 we're going to do it in this, this way, and here's our strategy, and here's how we're going to do it. No, I think it's good to have a strategy, and it's good to try and make sure that we visit everyone. But do you know, surely the best overall way that what we're wanting to see is that there is a spontaneous, if you like, caring for one another. And you notice somebody is not in church, or you hear of someone who's ill, and you you contact them to ask them, would you like a visit? Um, the days are probably gone pretty well when you just turned up on someone's door. I often used to just go and turn up on someone's door. Um, now people kind of get a wee bit freaked out if the minister just turns up at your door. Uh, what, what have I done? What's wrong? What do I, um, I, even if I say, would you like to come and see me this week? Where? What? What did I do? And nothing, nothing. I just want to see how things are going. I haven't done anything wrong. No, 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 no. That's, that's not what we mean. But this idea of visiting and connecting and talking with people. And you know, here's a simple thing to encourage. Why not, once a week, plan to meet with somebody from the church, just encourage them. Just invite them for a coffee. They can't come, that's fine. Um, they turn you down, that's fine. There's loads of other people you can ask. Why not try and meet with somebody and and here's another way to do it as well. Don't just meet with the people who are your pals. Find somebody who you don't um, really know. And I, I've used this example before, and I'll use it again because there's quite a few people here who won't know this. But for me, the greatest example I've experienced of that is uh, my wife, Annabelle, who's very, very hospitable. But before we got married, um, she went to church one Sunday and there was a, she had decided that she was going to invite a complete stranger. And she made enough food for another person, and she saw this young lady, and she asked her, was she a visitor? Yes, I'm from the Netherlands. Would you like to come for lunch? Oh, yes, I'll come, and my sister, and my mother, and my brother. No. So the whole family came for this meal. One simple act of hospitality, and from that came a great friendship that we've had with our good friends, Case and Mika Rinks, who have paid back that hospitality a hundred times over. You never, ever know. I love the verse in the Bible when Hebrews talks about, um, don't forget to entertain strangers, because in, in doing so, some people have entertained angels. Visiting people really does 
encourage. And if you use visit in the sense that our friends from America use it, where uh, we, we think of visit as going to somebody's house, but uh, they sometimes use it in the sense of you have a coffee together or, you know, it was nice to visit with you. It's just to be with somebody. And I think you can really encourage people by being with them. Then there's a fourth thing that's those three are mentioned here. This I, I'm taking from wider context of the Bible. Teaching God's Word. Encourage people by teaching God's Word. Acts 20, when the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece. Now you you read the whole of that chapter, you read other parts of Acts, and you'll find that this idea of Paul teaching the Bible in order to encourage God's people. Romans 15 verse 4, everything was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. You can really encourage one another by sharing God's Word together. You don't have to be a professional teacher of the Bible to bring encouragement. I have to keep reminding myself when I'm preparing to teach the Bible, you teach what is here, some of it's hard, some of it's difficult, some of it's very challenging, some of it can appear to be discouraging, but I should still be always asking, will the people go from here encouraged by God speaking, even if He is speaking in rebuke? But all of us can have a ministry of sharing and encouraging people through the Word of God. Here's a very simple thing. Supposing in the past few days or the past couple of weeks, there's a passage of Scripture or a verse of Scripture that has really encouraged you, that has really spoken to you, that has really helped you. Why not in the next week meet with another Christian and say, listen, this part of the Bible really helped me. Do you mind if I share it with you? They're not going to say no, and you may find that it is incredibly helpful to them. We encourage each other by teaching each other the Word of God, and that, that just works across the board. Uh, I find myself that I'm taught the Word of God by many different people. The very smallest child is sometimes able to teach and to encourage in that way. Fifth thing, how you can encourage is hospitality. Now, that's mentioned over and over again in the New Testament, and it is so important. It's such an important thing in the church that uh, an elder, someone who's a spiritual ruler in the church, has to be given to hospitality. It is great to receive hospitality, and it's great to be able to give hospitality, to share. Now, we live in a world where there's a lot of economic problems and there's a lot of difficulties, and yet, you know, the two shops that are filling out our high streets at the moment are charity shops, you can understand that, but the other one is coffee shops. Why are there so many coffee shops? I saw in Dundee there's another three either opened in the past couple of weeks or going to open in the next couple of weeks. Why, in a time of, of recession and struggle, are there so many coffee shops? It's not really that people particularly like the coffee all that much. 
It's that they, they enjoy going out, they enjoy being people, they, they being with people, they enjoy being outside just the confines of their room or their own four walls. We were made as sociable beings. And I think that for the ministry of this church, hospitality is absolutely crucial, and it's going to be more and more crucial, sharing together in that way. And it does really encourage people. We were invited out by a couple in the congregation on Friday night. It was lovely to have that. Um, and, it, it, you know, in so many different ways. I, I mentioned this before, um, that when we think of students, sometimes we think, well, you invite students because they're all poor students and they can't cook and they can hardly open a can of beans. And I'm speaking of the males here and things like that. It's not true. And uh, about three weeks ago, I think it was, we were invited to a student's flat, and we had a most fabulous meal. I'll not tell you who she is because I don't want too many people to be chasing her up, but she was, uh, it was absolutely tremendous to be able to share. And have, but you don't even need to be a fantastic cook. You can have great hospitality with beans on toast. It's, it's, it is a really important and essential part of encouragement. Number six, you can encourage people by standing by them in their distress. Paul mentions this in three of his letters, circumstances in which he was facing uh, incredible difficulties. Speaks of a man called Onesiphorus, who stood by him in his trouble. He had other people who, when he was in trouble and difficulty, they deserted him. But we, if we want to encourage people when people are sick, when people are bereaved, when people are facing difficulty at work, when people are struggling with depression and discouragement, just simply being with them and standing beside them is a great encouragement. Then we encourage people by giving, number seven. Acts 4, verse 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. It's great, isn't it? You've, you've got a, a great name like Joseph, and your name gets changed to reflect your character, how people see you are, and you're called the son of encouragement. I wonder how many of us here could be known as the son of or the daughter of encouragement. I feel quite convicted when uh, I look at that as well. I mean, do we want to be people who do that? Well, Barnabas was, and I hadn't noticed this until I looked at this verse, and I realized that one of the great instances of his encouraging was he sold something that he owned, a field that he owned, he brought it, and he put it at the apostles' feet. Now, they were faced with a really difficult situation because they had thousands of people who were struggling to, to be fed. They had people who were in great distress. They were in danger. They had been persecuted. They had this thousands of people who'd just become Christians. How were they going to provide for them? How were they going to cope? And Barnabas, amongst others, was somebody who came, sold some of his property, and said, there you go. He didn't seemed to have put ties upon it. He just gave. And it really encourages God's people when we see uh, one another giving in this way. 
Romans 1 verse 12 has another one, mutual faith. This is how we encourage each other. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That's the value of testimony. It's the value of meeting together. It's the value of sharing what God has done in our lives. That it encourages us. Sometimes we are feeling low and we are struggling. And we listen to another Christian who, who God is, is speaking to, God is working in their life, and it encourages us. Sometimes we're not seeing much going on in our church around us, and we hear of, of other people. And rather than discouraging us and causing us to be jealous, it encourages us. You and I, we need to share one another's faith. And then the last one there, the ninth one, is Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I'm sure there are many times that you, you get out of bed on a Sunday morning or you get out of bed on a Sunday afternoon and you think, why should I bother going to church? I can't be bothered. I've got, I'm tired. There's a fire on. There's television on. There's, you know, I just want to stay at home. I want to chill out. I want to relax. I want to get some peace. And in a sense, there's nothing wrong with that. When you say, I can read my Bible at home and so on, yes, you can do that. And yes, you can pray at home. And no, you don't need to come to this church building. But for me, the big thing is the encouragement. I love Sundays. I love the Lord's Day. I love coming to church. Not because I love hearing the sound of my own voice, but because it's just great to meet you all. It's just brilliant. It's really, really encouraging. And I know that we all say, yeah, but we pray for one another and we can meet one another at different times and so on. Yeah, but this is the collective gathering of God's people meeting to praise Him and to glorify Him and to pray to Him as a body, as an assembly, as a group of people. And it is very, very encouraging. My uh, parents, I guess, taught me that because as a child, we traveled uh, 30 miles on very difficult roads to go to church in the morning and back, and then we did the same thing in the evening. Uh, it was a real, I know it was a real encouragement to the people who were in that very small church. Uh, we needed to be persuaded a wee bit by the time the evening came, but there was a fantastic chip shop just up the road, and my parents weren't that strong Sabbatarians, so uh, we always used to, I knew I'd get a great chip supper on the way home, so I was quite happy to go out to church at night as a child, and that was one way to encourage. But um, I think that you need to know how much of, us, of an encouragement it is, that just sometimes you really, really can't be bothered, and I mean, of course, you're, if you're exhausted, there's other things you have to do, you're at work and so on, that's really not the issue. But, but I'm just saying it is an encouragement when uh, we meet together. I can give you numerous examples of this, but let me just give you one. As a couple of people who started coming to the church here, and, and one of the reasons they said was, we're just so amazed that there's so many young people who bother to come out to church in the morning and in the evening. It's just amazing. It's just, uh, and it really encouraged them to come along and to find out more. But I think, particularly of Christians who are battered and bruised and weak and struggling, 
then meeting together, praying together, hearing God's Word together, praising together, it's so important. And that is how we encourage each other. So those nine things, the, the prayer, correspondence, visits, teaching, hospitality, standing by people in their distress, giving, sharing faith, and meeting together. It results in what he says at the end, the benediction, peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Four great blessings that we receive, four things regularly spoken of by Paul, mentioned throughout this letter, peace, love, faith, and grace. I'm sure that Paul meant peace to the brothers and sisters as well. It is a it's a wonderful thing to be at peace, not to have hostilities, but more than that, to have a, a, a wholesome, a sense of peace, a sense of God's presence. Earlier, chapter 2 and verse 14 says this, He Himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in His flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. When we encourage one another in that way, when we have peace Uh, As a result of that, we have peace with one another. What Jesus has done for us, we have peace with one another. It is a tremendous gift. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know that when God is at work, the devil will do his best to disrupt things, and the best way for the devil to disrupt things is to cause us to fight. And that's why we have to make an effort to keep the peace that Christ has brought for us. But it is a tremendous thing, and it is a tremendous witness. And please do pray that uh, we would have peace, not the peace of the graveyard, but the peace of um, where there is enmity, where you have resentment and bitterness towards another person, where there is hatred even, dislike, jealousy, all these different things. May God grant that we so see Christ and what He has done on the cross, and what He suffered to bring peace to us, that we would be able to forgive as we have been forgiven, that we would be able to overlook other people's faults, to bless other people even if they do not bless us, to live in this bond of peace. In a world full of hostility, it is doubly tragic when the church is full of hostility as well. May it be that we are encouraging one another to live in peace. And then he talks about love with faith. Be imitators of God earlier in chapter 5. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Peace to the brothers, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Both of these, love and faith and peace as well, of course, are sourced in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's how we can live together in community, and that's how we live in harmony. Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder, Ebony and Ivory, living together in perfect harmony, side by side by my piano keyboard, why don't we? And I'm, yeah, Rubbish, really. Um, because it didn't happen. It doesn't happen. But it should happen in the church. That as we love God because of what He has done for us, as we have faith in God, knowing what He has done for us, then we find that harmony and that peace. And he concludes with grace, of course, as he began it, chapter 1 and verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You can go through the letter to the Ephesians and you can see that there were difficulties within that church, that there were real, real problems. But all the way through this, it shot through with grace and peace and faith and love. We love Jesus with an undying love. Our love for Him is to be pure, not corrupted with wrong motives or secret disloyalties. It's not a passing fad. It is not a romantic infatuation. And I guess maybe there's a warning in here as well. I put that up, Revelation 2, verse 4. I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. I've never met anyone unhappy in a church, unhappy in their life, unhappy with what is going on, who loved Jesus. I've never met anyone like that. I've met plenty of people who say, I used to love Jesus, or I love Jesus, but… But if you know what Jesus has done, then to me, it, it changes your perspective on everything. Yes, if you love Jesus in the church where there is trouble and difficulty, you'll be heartbroken about it and you'll be hurt by it, by it. but you'll seek to bring healing in the name of Jesus Christ. And yes, sometimes in a church you'll find that what is taught is not the gospel of Jesus, and that hurts you, and you, you, sometimes you have to leave on that basis. Sometimes there are personality clashes and everything else as well. But Jesus, I don't think, holds any of that against us. What He holds against us if we forsake our first love for Him. And that's why Paul prays this wonderful prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. As we've looked at Ephesians over these past months, we've seen, I hope we've seen, a church that wasn't perfect, but a, a, a church where Paul wrote to them about against this background, not just of this small, relatively small place of Ephesus almost 2,000 years ago, but he's writing against the background of God's plan to save from humanity throughout the world, throughout all time, to save for himself a people who would love him and love one another and demonstrate His new kingdom in peace and love and faith and grace. And the only way that happens is 
as we grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know a love that is beyond knowing. That's what this church is about. That is what we are about. We want people to know the love of Jesus Christ. And you might be here, you're not a Christian, you're a very confused Christian, you're backslidden Christian, and you're thinking, I'm not sure how all this works. And the answer how it works is this, it's just you have to get to know the love of Jesus. It is a love that is beyond absolutely everything. Some of us are believers, and we, we struggle in so, so many different ways. And we have to look beyond our immediate circumstances and our immediate feelings and to look to Christ who loved us and gave Himself for us. And as we do that, we will be able to encourage ourselves and also to encourage others. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. That's www.stpeters-dundee.org.uk. For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solace-cpc.org. Once again, that's www.solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.